Please be seated. Good morning. Good to see you, Thatcher. Good to see you all this morning. Let's turn in God's Word to our Old Testament text. First of all, Proverbs 24, verses 30 through 34. Words of wisdom here which apply to, apply to us in living in this world in natural things, but also in the things of the kingdom of heaven and in the importance of being prepared and being diligent in spiritual things as well as earthly things. Proverbs 24, 30 through 34. This is the word of the Lord. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Our New Testament text, Matthew 25 14 through 30. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant! You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest." So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. 
and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Thus ends the reading of God's holy word. Now let's bow before him now and ask that he will bless it to us. Our great and gracious God, we pray that you would open our hearts to receive your word in faith. Faith unmixed with doubt. Wholehearted trust. Taking you at your word. Taking, uh, t- t- taking what you've said and, and treating it as it is, the very word of God. We pray that your word would shape us, direct us, guide us, convict us, challenge us. Encourage us, and in all things, strengthen our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Redeemer. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Last week, we looked at the parable of the five foolish girls and the five wise girls that just precedes this one. And that parable is all about being vigilant for Christ's return, about, about uh, stay, staying alert to Christ's return, alert to his kingdom, to be watchful. And then this parable, the next one that he tells, is, is very similar in that it's encouraging us to be ready for Christ, but the emphasis here is not so much on watch, what watchfulness, but, but on working, uh, not on vigilance, but diligence. Uh, J.C. Ryle the Anglican bishop uh, from the 19th century says this, the story of the virgins calls on the church to watch. The story of the talents calls on the church to work. We are to be watchful. That is an important part of readiness for Christ's return. Our hearts are to be um, drawn towards his return, longing and aching, homesick for Christ and for his kingdom and for his, for his coming in glory. But at the same time, brothers and sisters, we don't want to misunderstand that and not live out faithful lives now while we watch and wait for Christ to return. Watchfulness, as we saw last week, watchfulness is important, but watchfulness does not mean to disengage or to be passive and just cloister ourselves away and twiddle our thumbs while we wait for Christ. No, watchfulness leads to uh, diligent working for Christ and for His kingdom. He has gone away, and in the meantime, He's entrusted us with a task, with talents and a calling. And He wants us, brothers and sisters, He commands us to be working while He's away. And when he comes again in glory, coming to judge us, he wants, he wants us to be able to give an account of, of the way we have made good use of the things he has entrusted to us. And that, that's, that's the point of the parable that we just read together in Matthew chapter 25. If you want to hear Christ when he returns, commend you, say, well done, good and faithful servant. And, and if you want to hear him welcome you into his joy, then you must be diligent to invest what he has entrusted to you. We see this in five points in the parable before us. Number one, Christ's servants are entrusted with a stewardship. Verses 14 and 15 here. Christ's servants are entrusted with a stewardship. You are a steward. Christ has entrusted you with 
some of his own wealth. You're a steward that he's entrusted with a gift. Uh, This is the first lesson we see here. Christ in this parable compares his kingdom to a man who has his great estate. He He owns a great amount of wealth, and he's going away on a journey. He's going far away. He's going to be gone for a while. So while he's gone, what does he do with his, with his wealth here? He entrusts it to his servants. Um, he, he's not treating them as, as lowly slaves. He's treating them sort of junior business partners. He gives them these, these talents. Uh, talent in, in our common lingo means something you're good at. Uh, but uh, that's, not, that's not what it means here. What Jesus is talking about is, is a unit of weight, which represented a certain amount of money. Could be copper, silver, gold. This talent was X amount of weight, uh, representing this this amount of money. It's, it's hard to make an equivalency from what it was worth then, a talent then, to what would that what amount of money would that be now? Um, but um, a good estimate is that a, a talent was worth about twenty years' wages for a day laborer. Twenty years' wages for a day laborer. Would have been more if Jesus is talking about talents of gold versus talents of silver or copper, etc. But that, that's a good average estimate. So this is a considerable amount. This, this master is, is giving his servants, he's trusting them with a lot of wealth. And he's saying to them, use it. Do something with it. He doesn't tell them what to do with it. But he wants them to use it for his, for his, for, 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 to, to, to grow it, to expand it, to improve on it, to invest it, and work with it. The master here, of course, represents Christ. And the servants, well, that's us, brothers and sisters. He has entrusted us with his own resources and his own, uh, his own, his own gifts. He, he's given us abilities and, 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 and graces, and he's called us to make use of them. A wide variety of gifts. First Peter chapter 4.10 says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. We don't all have the same gift. We don't all have the same amount of gifts. One servant gets five. One servant gets two. One servant gets one from Christ. Right? But, but all of us have gifts and a wide variety of them. And none of them are meager gifts. You, brothers and sisters, each of you, take this to heart. Christ has given you a gift. He's entrusted you with a gift. He's made you a steward. Every ability you possess, all the resources that you have, even the time that you have, every day, a gift from Christ, a trust from Christ. J.C. Ryle, again, says this about this passage. He says, anything whereby we may glorify God is a talent. Our gifts, our influence, our money, our knowledge, our health, our strength, our time, our senses, our reason, our intellect, our memory, our affections, our privileges as members of Christ's church, our advantages as possessors of the Bible, all our talents. You have tremendous resources, don't you? That Christ has entrusted to you to use as a steward in his kingdom. This is true, brothers and sisters, whether you are nine years old or 90 years old, whether you're an elder in the church or whether you're just you're, you're, you're a member in the church, it is true of you that Christ has given you a trust. The second implication here 
is that that means that you are a servant of Christ. Um, your, your life is, is a stewardship of Christ. This is not how we naturally think. And this is also not how the culture around us tells us to think, that, that you're a servant. Um, it's very, quite humorous to me. As I was working on this sermon, I had on the computer screen two windows open. One was my Word document typing away, and the other was, was Bible Gateway with, with the passage pulled up there. And a little advertisement flashed across the bottom of Bible Gateway website from an insurance company. And it said this, building your kingdom is hard work. Protecting it shouldn't be. There on this text, Matthew 25, there's an advertisement about building your kingdom. That's the message that we like to hear and the message that we're told all the time. Build your kingdom. Invest in, in, in your kingdom. You're, you're not a servant. No one can tell you what to do. It's your time, your money, your, your resources. You do what you want with them uh, all, all your life. The story of your life is about you. You're a king, not a servant. But Jesus says, I'm the king. You are the servant. Therefore, all that you have, gift from him, is his. And so it is to be used for him, as a stewardship for him. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, What do you have that you did not receive? What do you have that you didn't receive? The answer, of course, nothing at all. Your career, marriage, children, everything you have, gifts, abilities, interests, time, everything, a gift from Jesus and a trust to be used for his purpose. And that point lays the basis for the next point we see in the, in the parable. You received a trust from Christ. Uh, the second point is this. Faithful servants invest Christ's gift. Verses 16 through 17. Um, when you know that everything you have is a trust from Christ, then you carefully invest that trust for him. Look with me at how the two faithful servants in the parable respond to their master. Verses 16 and 17 here. It says this, Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. Now, depending on which translation uh, uh, you're, you're reading there, uh, you'll ha- you might have the word immediately stuck in before, uh, at the start of the sentence, describing what the, what the servants do, particularly the first servant. Um, in, in the Greek, there's no, punct- there's no period, right? there's not punctuation, so the word immediately that's stuck in there could either apply to the master leaving immediately and going to a far country, or it could be that the servants respond immediately to the master's trust. And I think that is the best way to take the Greek here. Uh, that that, that the, the, the purpose of this parable is to show us what a faithful servant looks like. This faithful servant, he receives a trust, and he immediately, promptly, with alacrity, with, with, with an enthusiastic, quick uh, responsiveness. He, he, he goes and he invests what his master has given him. He puts it to work right away. Uh, and bo- both servants both servants do this. Um, this, is, this is an important part of diligence, isn't it? Be, being quick. Being, being prompt. Um, jumping at the opportunity to improve and invest 
the spiritual gifts that Christ has given to you. Um, when I was a kid, I attended a, a basketball camp each summer, a week-long thing. And um, they had different awards that they would, they would give out on the camp. Uh, if you won the foul shot competition or if you won uh, the, 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 the coach's award, these various things. One, one trophy was for hustle, the hustle award. It didn't go to the kid who was the most talented necessarily. It went to the, the kid who always got there first. Who, who was prompt, who was, who was, who was quick, quick uh, in, in running to where he needed to be. And uh, that, that's, what these, that's what these guys in the parable here, these two servants, they're winning the hustle award. They get this trust. And instead of waiting, sitting back, uh, we'll do it tomorrow, no, they, they, they jump at the opportunity to serve their master and improve, improve the trust he's given them. And loved ones, that needs to be our attitude with Christ. Our King, the Lord Jesus Christ, has entrusted us with tremendous things. And we should not uh, sit back and wait. I'll do that another day. We should jump at the opportunity, run immediately at every opportunity to serve Him with promptness. Second thing to note here is that both these servants... uh, Use, use their trust from their master very wisely. Um, uh, it, it goes well for them. They don't make poor investments. They don't squander it uh, with bad business opportunities. They, they, they manage their master's money well, and they, they make a profit with it. Um, how do you make sure that you're not wasting the gifts, the time, the talents that Christ has given you? How do you make sure you make a good investment? Well, you pour them back into his kingdom, right? That, that, that's the investment that is sure, that, that won't fail you. Jesus says earlier in Matthew's Gospel, in his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, he says, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus is saying there is an investment you can make that, 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 is, that is going to be absolutely certain. It, it, it's entirely risk-free. It is to invest in my kingdom. Now, he's not saying that we need to give every paycheck in its entirety to the church. Um, he's, he's not saying that you need to uh, quit your day job and become a missionary. Um, but it, it, it means... It means that you, you look at your whole life, stewardship from Christ, and you say, how can I, how can I use all that God has given me and in and, and every situation that He's placed me? How can, I, how can I pour that into His kingdom and use it for His glory and, and, and walk in obedience to Him in, in all aspects of my life? Third thing we learn here. What counts is not how much you've been given, but how you use what you've been given. These servants of the master here, they, they get different amounts. Um, but the, the point is not one gets more or one gets less. The point is that they, whatever they receive, they improve it. They, they work hard with it and they use it well. Um, we, we, see, uh, we see the point here that, that we are to not worry ourselves over, well, I only have this gift or, or that one. But the, the, the point is to give ourselves to taking whatever Christ has given us 
and, and, and improving it, and developing it. Paul says to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.6, he says, Fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Fan into flame the gift, Timothy. You've been given a gift by God. What are you doing with it? Letting it flicker out? Lie dormant? Or, or, or are, you, are you improving it, developing it, growing it for the sake of God and, and His glory? You've got, to, you've got to put the hours in. and You've got to work at it. Um, brothers and sisters, as I've said, God has, God has gifted you, each of you, with tremendous things, wonderful resources, for His kingdom. Develop them by His grace. Put them to work. Practice them by His grace for His kingdom. This is what faithful servants do. Next we see what lazy servants do. Um, third point. Lazy servants neglect Christ's gift. Verse 18 Lazy servants neglect Christ's gift. The third servant now in the parable. He receives less than the other two. He only gets one talent. Now remember, one talent is still the equivalent of 20 years' wages for an average laborer, so it's still a considerable sum. His master's not being stingy with him. He's giving him a considerable amount and trusting him this gift according to his abilities. But what does the servant do? Does he put it to work? Does he, does he, does he get... Get busy with it? No, he goes and he buries it. Um, it's the equivalent of us sticking it in a, in a, in a, in a safe in our, in our closet, just somewhere where no one will ever find it. I know I won't lose it, um, but it's, it's not going to do anything. It's not going to produce anything there. So this servant, he's not, he's not sinning by, by commission, right? He, he's, not, he's not going out and squandering this wealth, embezzling this wealth. He's not spending it on himself. But he's sinning by omission, but by, by not doing what he is supposed to do, but by, by, by not doing anything at all with what his master trusted him with. Francis Bacon, the uh, 16th century philosopher, said this. He said, money is like manure, of very little use except it be spread. Money's like manure. In a heap, in a pile, what use is it? Spread it around. Use it. It's good that way. But that's what this servant does. He takes the heap of this money, he buries it in the ground, and puts it to no good use. Matthew Henry, Puritan commentator, he writes this. He says, So it is in spiritual gifts. Many have them and make no use of them for the end which they were given them. Those that have estates and do not lay them out in works of piety and charity, that have power and interest and don't with it promote religion in the places where they live. Ministers that have capacities and opportunities of doing good, but do not stir up the gift that is in them, are those slothful servants that seek their own things more than Christ's. See what he's saying? Many have gifts, but they just leave them buried in the ground, and do nothing with them for Christ's sake. Brothers and sisters, do not be lazy with what God has entrusted to you and given, given you. Uh, put it to work for His kingdom and for His glory. He has given you a gift, and you need to use it. So Christ presents us with these pictures. 
faithful servants investing in his kingdom, the lazy servants doing nothing with what he's given them. And then he shows us their ends, starting with the faithful servants. And this brings us to the, our, fourth, our fourth point, verses 19 to 23, where we see faithful servants receive Christ's joy. Faithful servants receive Christ's joy. Not, verse 19 tell us, tells us that the master comes back. After a long time, he comes back, and he calls his servants to him, and he asks them for an account. And verse 20 tells us the first servant steps forward, and he gives the master his report. He says, Lord, five talents you gave me, five talents more I have gained. The master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then the second servant's turn. He steps up to the master. Two talents you gave me. Two talents more I've gained. And the master commends him as well. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little. I'll entrust you with more. Enter into your master's joy. Jesus is showing us here how we will stand before Christ, our master, at the last day. And how he will say, it's time to give your account. What have you done with the things that I have entrusted to you? What what did you do with the talents and the time and the resources that I gave you? If you can answer, like these servants in the parable answered, here's what you gave me. And Lord, Lord, here's how I used it for your kingdom. And, and here's the fruit from, from, from how I invested it in your kingdom for your glory. If you can say that at that day, standing before him, then brothers and sisters, he will reward you. And it will be, it will be a wonderful reward. We see three parts to the reward here uh, that the master gives faithful servants. The first is commendation. The master in the parable says to his servants, well done, good and faithful servant. So the Lord Jesus, if you're a faithful servant, will say to you at that day, well done, good and faithful servant. You know how it feels when someone you respect commends you. There's a few moments in my life that, that particularly stick out to me where someone I looked up to, a parent, a pastor, professor, came and said, you did a really good job. Or I'm really proud of you. Well done. Right? Why do those stick in our minds? Because, because that, that, that means a lot. When, when someone recognizes, yeah, yeah, you've done well. What will it mean, brothers and sisters, when you stand face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ, your King and your Master, and He looks you in the eye, and without any dishonesty, He says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. What, what, what will that mean to you on that day to hear Christ himself, the one who knows you better than you know yourself, who, yes, knows your sin, but also knows how he himself equipped you? What, what will it mean to you to, to hear his voice say to you, well done? Don't you want to hear those words from Christ more than you want to hear them from anyone else? That would be enough, wouldn't it? Enough of a reward for all eternity just to hear Christ himself commend you for your faithfulness to him. But there's more. The the second part of the reward for faithful service to Christ will be to be entrusted with more. 
Notice that in the text here, both verse 21 and verse 23, the master says to his servants that they were faithful over little. Wait a minute. Little? Five talents. A talent worth about 20 years' wages for an average laborer. So multiply that by five. That's a little. But that's what the master says. From his perspective, that was, that was just a little bit. Now, now here's, here's the real trust. Here, here's the real gift. Here's so much more. When Christ comes, brothers and sisters, if He finds us faithful, He is going to load us up with even more. He's going to entrust us with, with, even, with even more. Uh, this strongly suggests to me that, that we will be very busy in the new heavens and new earth. That, that in, in the, in when, when Christ comes and He establishes the, His kingdom, His new Jerusalem, this new creation, um, yes, we will have eternal rest, but we'll also have joyful, good work to do for Him, for His glory. And it will be a privilege to have a part in that, an increasing part in that, for His glory. The third part of the reward that we see here for faithful service to Christ is, is, the, best, is the best part of all. Uh, the Master says to both of His servants who have been faithful to Him, He says, enter into the joy of your Lord. Christ, likewise, when he comes again and finds faithful servants, he will say to those who are faithful, enter into my joy. Notice that it's the joy of the Lord. What does that word mean, of? The joy of the Lord. What's being described here? It could mean the joy which is from the Lord. The joy which, which he gives us. Uh, could mean the joy which belongs to the Lord, the joy which is because of the Lord. I think it's all of these things. The joy which Jesus welcomes us into is, first of all, His joy because He's the one who purchased it for us. It's, it's the joy that He won for us. That, that, that he went and, and he achieved for our sakes. Matthew Henry has a wonderful turn of phrase as he writes about this. He says, It is the joy of the redeemed bought with the sorrow of the Redeemer. Christ becomes the man of sorrows, the one who is intimately acquainted with grief to secure our joy, to open paradise to us. And the joy that he by His sorrowful sin-bearing and suffering, welcomes us into is nothing less than, than God's joy. This is also, I think, what, what Jesus is pointing us to by these words. Enter into, enter into the Lord's joy, and into my joy, He's saying, that the joy I bought for you and the joy which is mine, that, that I have, that I possess. He, he's, 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 he's calling us into uh, uh, he, the, the joy of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the infinite joy of the triune God, um, Jesus tells us in John 15, verse 11, this is why He came. He says to us, These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Behind His words, perhaps, you can hear Psalm 1611. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence there's fullness of joy. This is what, as servants of Christ, we look forward to. God Himself welcoming us into 
His own joy that He has had for all eternity. What servant would expect his master to do that for him? No matter how faithful and diligent a servant was, a servant's place is not in the master's family, sharing in his own joy. But what Christ is pointing us to is something that transcends the, the parable here, isn't it? He's pointing us to a joy where, where we become like sons of Him. So this, this is what is, 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 is in store for faithful servants of Christ. But not everyone will receive it. And as Jesus continues His parable, He gives us this warning, and this is our fifth point. Lazy servants receive Christ's judgment. Verses 24 through 30. Lazy servants receive Christ's judgment. So the master calls the third servant forward now to give an account. And the, 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 the servant presents to his master exactly what his master gave him. No more, no less. He says in verses 24 and 25, he says, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed, and I was afraid, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. He's done nothing with it. And so he's wasted. He, he, hasn't, he hasn't lost anything by it, but he hasn't done anything with it. He's wasted it. And, and his excuse is that he was afraid of his master. He says, you're, I knew you were a hard man. Basically, he's saying, I, I knew that you were the kind of business owner who takes every single opportunity to make a little more. Not in an unethical way, but just shrewd businessman kind of way. And... Um, um, the master responds, if you, know, if you knew I was so keen to turn a profit at every opportunity, um, then, then why did you go bury it in the ground? Right? You could have at least invested it with the bankers and earned a little bit of interest. You didn't even, didn't even try with it. So then the master takes the talent from the servant. He gives it to the servant with ten talents, as any wise employer would do. Right? A failed project or an employee who's not doing his job will get fired. The faithful employee will get the promotion, will get the raise. Jesus makes the application for us in verses 29 and 30. He says, For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The warning is very clear. If you don't use what Christ has entrusted to you, He will take it away from you. You will not enter His joy. You will be cast into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's, that, that's such a terrifying image, right? The outer darkness. A place that is cold and dark and, and cut off from all friendship and fellowship of God, surrounded by the sounds of grief and sorrow and pain, weeping and gnashing of teeth, but in the dark, and isolated and alone. Uh, that's, that's what is, is, is Jesus' picture for us of, of, of what will happen to those who don't use what He's entrusted to them for His glory. Notice how everything that the faithful servants received is what the lazy servant does not receive. The faithful servants get a word of commendation. Well done. The lazy servant gets a word of condemnation. You wicked, lazy 
servant. The faithful servant is given more. The lazy servant loses everything. The faithful servant is welcomed into Jesus' own joy. The lazy servant is shut out from that joy. And so, brothers and sisters, what's, what's Jesus doing with the parable? He's presenting us with, 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 with the choice as plainly as he possibly can. There's two types of servants, and there's two ways that those servants come to an end. On the one hand, the faithful servant and the joy of the master. On the other hand, the lazy servant and outer darkness. Which are you? Which end is waiting for you? How do you answer that question? You say, I hope I'm diligent enough. I, I hope I'm working hard enough. I hope I'm, hope I'm doing enough. I hope I'm improving my gifts enough. I hope I'm investing them in, in, in Christ's kingdom enough. And I hope that one day Jesus welcomes me. But, but I'm not sure. H- how do we answer this question? Because you know, don't you, that you're not as diligent a servant as you should be. How many opportunities to share the gospel have you let go and not said anything? How many opportunities to encourage a brother or sister who needed encouragement presented themselves to you and you you didn't do it? How many times was there an opportunity to serve Christ in a way by by serving someone in the church and and you didn't do it? How many times did you have where where you you crossed your mind, "I I should read my Bible, but you don't. I should pray, but you don't. I should, I, should, I should go to worship, but you don't. All these opportunities and, and all this time and all these gifts and talents and God's given them to you and so much of it, so much of it you've squandered. You know that. So even as Jesus' words here call us to be faithful servants, they also convict us, don't they? That we're not faithful much of the time, that, 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 that in ourselves we are not faithful, good, profitable, useful servants. And Jesus' words therefore drive us to Him because He's the only one, brothers and sisters, who is truly the good and faithful servant, isn't He? The one who, 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 who used every gift and every talent and every resource and all His time for the glory of God and out of obedient service to His Father, the One who humbled Himself, submitted Himself, said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give My life as a ransom for many. He didn't do it for Himself, did He? He came to serve for our sakes. He came to die for our unfaithful servants. And He came to give us a record of righteousness, of, 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 of faithful service to God so that we can, we can look to Christ by faith and have our unfaithfulness all washed away and be clothed with His record of righteousness so that we can stand before God when we're giving an account and say, it's Christ's righteousness that I need. It's, it's His service on my behalf that I need. And He's also done more for us, our Lord Jesus. He also gives us His Spirit, doesn't He? And by His Spirit, He does equip us to, to grow in faithful service to Him so that, yes, we're clothed in His righteousness and declared righteous, but at the same time, by His Spirit, He, he trains us to be servants like He's a servant. He equips us more and more to walk as He walked. And that is our hope, brothers and sisters. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank You that Jesus Christ 
is the good and faithful servant. And we pray that in him you would equip us to be good and faithful servants. Keep us holding fast to Christ and keep us walking in faithful obedience. And Lord, help us to be ready for his coming, to be, uh, to be vigilant and diligent, to, to watch and to work. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.